0: I think this is one of the biggest problems that I see with online entrepreneurs is that they want to launch something the first time and they want to see major success. And if they don't see major success the first time, they're like, well, I tried, now I'm gonna create something new.
1: Alex Beaton is a launch strategist who has had a long career of over a decade in the online space, starting out as a photographer and quickly moving into digital products. I have been following her launches for years, and they have been epic every single time. I remember the amount of energy she would pour into these launches that were like full nighttime parties together with drinks, colorful post-its tracking everyone who joined her program and Q&As that lasted hours with thousands of people joining her launches every single time, it wasn't hard to see this girl was a star. But it didn't all happen overnight and it definitely wasn't without
0: trials along the way. I was getting to this point where there just wasn't money in the bank account and my mom was freaking out. My mom's always helped me with my finances in the business. And she was like, you need to fire the, the people working for you. I think I had one person full-time and a few like little contractors. In this episode,
1: I asked Alex to walk us through her definitely not overnight success story of building her seven figure brand. We talked about her losing 300 Instagram followers after one particularly controversial post. We talked about deleting her YouTube channel accidentally and we geek out about her epically famous double down on your DMs launches. We covered every pivot, every tried and failed strategy and Yes, even those times when it seemed like nothing could ever go right so that you feel inspired to keep moving. It's all a part of the process and your success is inevitable. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com uncut, which you can access completely free. In the full version, you'll hear about Alex's perspective on spirituality, which has shaped how she manages the ups and downs of her business. And I asked her about her decision to hire her best friend, Laura Marston as her COO. To watch the full version for free, go to theglobalphenomenon.com uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while trying to figure out what to post today... Did you know that there is a free guide for that? Make sure to download your 100 engagement post ideas at 100postideas.com and never worry about what to post ever again. Also, don't forget to head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the only launch strategist you need to know. To help others, I'm your host Ina Koveny, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hi, everybody! Today I am I'm jittery of how excited I am to introduce you to somebody I've been a fan of for a really long time. Everybody, please join me in welcoming Alex Beaton. Yay! Hi, Alex. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So much to get to, but for those of you who have been living under a rock for the past thirteen years, can you please tell everyone what is it that you do right now and who do you serve?
0: Yeah, my name is Alex Beeden and right now my signature program is called Together We Launch. It is an online program that guides small business owners who sell digital products through how to have successful launches with ease and joy.
1: And I have to say, I was a part of your launch last year. You ran a five-day challenge uh, that led into the program, and it was amazing. Just the challenge itself was incredible. And for everybody's context, they need to understand you've been in business since 2009, right? 13 years at, as of this point. So you are, you, it's like you've lived like nine different lifetimes in online marketing world. So first of all, I want to just get a quick impression of, I feel like I'm talking to like an Oracle. What is your sense of the state of online marketing right now? You've been through it all. You've been in it for a decade. I want to know if you're like my Oracle, what do you think this current state <laughs> is? Like, what, what are we sitting in? What is the future of this?
0: It's such a good question, Ina. I love it. Um, for me right now, we're in a very interesting space where, number one, the industry is maturing. And so we're seeing a lot of people come in. The competition is getting higher. But we're still in a place where this is still very new to people. And you know, we all know, for those of us who are in the industry, we know lots of people in this industry. But I'm sure that in our regular lives, there's not that many people who are in the online space. So I think it's interesting in that dynamic. Also with us moving into web three, I think that there's a lot of opportunities coming for us. And I think the entire digital landscape is about to change. And furthermore, I think we are seeing the slow decline of Instagram and Facebook, and we're finding people finding that people really want to be a little bit more holistic in how they use the internet and less mindless scrolling and mindless posting and bringing more intention to how we use the internet.
1: What do you think they're gravitating towards right now?
0: I think right now people want content that's a little bit more meaty, that has has more depth, that's not so like you know, you scroll and scroll and scroll and it's just very mindless. I think we want things that are capturing us on a deeper level. So for example, podcasts, YouTube channels, I think what we're seeing now is that people don't just want to know you and follow you on Instagram. It's not enough anymore to just be on Instagram. It's really helpful to be able to connect more deeply with people on other platforms. And you just came back to YouTube and I want to put a pin on that because
1: there is a story there and we are going to dive into it. But I like to start these conversations going way back before you were the global phenomenon that we all know and love. I want to know, you grew up, you were born in Trinidad, correct? Yes. So what was it like growing up? Where were you? What was your family like? Help us understand what, what little Alex Beaton was like.
0: Yes. Yeah, so probably the most important part of my childhood that people should know is that we moved around a lot as a family and we moved from country to country every one to three years. And so really I grew up between Trinidad, Venezuela, America, England. And those were like the four main places that we would kind of circle around. Um, when I was four 14, my dad got transferred to Azerbaijan. And when they got transferred to Azerbaijan, they said, okay, you're going to boarding school in England. So my sister and I went to boarding school in England, and we ended up finishing our last few years of of school in England. Um, But that's probably the most important thing, because it has shaped me so much to be who I am today. Um, There's a lot of pros that come with having a childhood where you are Going from country to country and having to be a chameleon almost and learning about different cultures and different perspectives and seeing the different ways that people live really broadened my mind and and influenced a lot of who I am today.
1: Yeah. Where where did you live in Venezuela? I'm from Venezuela.
0: I lived in Caracas. Do you remember where? I wonder if we were like neighbors at one point. We lived in a building called Lo Marial Uno. which I can't remember like which which area it was but we loved it I think that was probably my favorite place to live which brings me so much sadness now because it's completely changed and so many of our friends you know were completely displaced and are no longer there and everything everyone's lives had to be reimagined um but I loved living there yeah no
1: it's what I tell people like you know talking about Venezuela it's not a water cooler conversation this is it's extremely sad it affects us very personally so yeah I want to know at the boarding school in the UK you finished your high school there is that where you graduated I want to know what did you think your life was going to be like what did you want to be when you grow up back then
0: I think back then I knew that I was creative. I knew that I was very interested in visual creativity, but I did not know which direction or realm that would lead me in. And to be honest with you, I think at that stage, I didn't really have a plan. (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. I, I really had no idea. I was just kind of going in the direction that I knew, which was you have to go to university. But I remember even when choosing what I should study at university, I felt very confused about it. I felt like I don't really know, but I know I have to choose something. So I'll go with this. Yeah. But yeah, back then there wasn't much of a plan. <laughs> yeah. When did photography enter your life? Photography entered my life in 2008, probably. Well, maybe earlier. I I think when I left high school, I had started to get into it, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to be a professional photographer. It was just something that I was interested in. And then I really started to think more seriously about it throughout university. It was just such a passion of mine that by the time I got to the end of university, I was like, I don't want to get a job. I don't want to go to an office. (laughs) I feel like I should just give this a chance and see what happens. And so that's what I did. Okay, this is where things start to get interesting.
1: For me, at least, looking at your story. (laughs) Because you didn't just stop at the obvious. You didn't just go out and get yourself jobs being a professional photographer. Mm -hmm. You started your blog. Mm -hmm. And this is the most interesting part because any photographer knows, okay, you know, I can just post my stuff and that's my portfolio. What I found the most interesting is that you started engaging with Mm -hmm. the audience. And there was one point where you even were running like challenges like there was one point where you had yeah. 150 entries into people like hey edit this photo everybody come and edit this photo i want to know where that where that bug came from where that that you know like it's not just about doing the work and posting my work and enjoying photography is no there is an online community out there i want to know where that
0: pivotal point came to you I think that growing up, moving around a lot, I didn't have the same sense of community that everyone would normally have growing up. So because we were moving all the time, our friends were always changing. I didn't have that sense of stability. And from a young age, I would say from like 14, I was online Um, There was a site called Kiwi Box that I used to love. And it was like, it was just like a journaling site. But I quickly realized that it was like a a news feed with different journal entries. But according to how you worded the type or the subject line, someone would click in and then you could like build the sense of community. So I was always very interested in using the internet to build community and to connect with like-minded people and at that time that wasn't very common I think most people looked at the internet and said you know strangers are on the internet normal people don't go on the internet but very quickly I became fascinated from a young age by what are the communities that exist online and how can I be a part of them and I think as well there was something about If I move from place to place, because you have to remember as well, this is before the days of Facebook and Instagram. No one knows who I am when I show up anywhere. It's like I'm brand new. Everyone has to get to know me, et cetera. Whereas if I have an online presence, there's more of like a a knowledge of who I am that can be seen and gathered from online. So I think by the time I got into photography, I just wanted to have fun building communities. I was like, this could be fun to, to meet other photographers and to connect people and, I just genuinely enjoyed it. I don't think at the time I was thinking strategically about it, which I think is one of the most beautiful parts of the beginning of my online story. I was just having fun and connecting with people and trying to like bring people together through community.
1: Something happened when you had your photography blog. Somebody stole some of your photos Ina, you've done your research. And I want people to know what you did about it because it's something that I wouldn't have thought of this. You could have, (laughs) you know, you could have taken legal action. You could have just sent them a cease and desist. You could have just ignored it altogether. But what you did, like it, it said so much about you that I want you to tell that story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have never told this story. I haven't thought of this story in so long. So, essentially, what happened is someone stole my images. They were posting it maybe on Flickr as their own work. I think it was also on their website. And word got back to me that this had happened. And I was trying to figure out how to go about dealing with it. And I'm really big into creativity, I really like problem solving from creative perspectives and coming up with creative solutions. And so I decided that I was going to interview the man who stole my photography. And I just thought, you know, this happens all the time. This is a huge problem in the the land of photography, but no one ever speaks to these people to find out like what on planet earth would make you decide to do this. Like this really makes no sense. And I think his excuse, I think he, he said that his wife downloaded the photos and she thought they were his, and she uploaded them and he was so sorry. And Of course, I didn't really believe anything that he had to say. I categorized him mainly under like pathological liar, but who knows, maybe he was telling the truth. But either way, I think giving people a a voice and like learning more about why people do the things that they do is very interesting to me. And yeah, it it, it was a great post (laughs) and got a lot of attention. So yeah, I think I've just, I just like creative solutions.
1: It just really gave me, sense for like the kind of person that you are, which is very, you're very surprising. And I can see that throughout your career because at one point you decide, I'm breaking up with my photography business. And mm-hmm. I actually found the entire blog post that you wrote about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was something in there that I can see still in your career, which is you said, it's not that, I am like not in love with photography anymore is that what I'm in love with is following a passion, mm-hmm. right? Is that I can't sit still. I can't just, you can't just give me one thing to love for the rest of my life. I'm constantly chasing just just my passion, just something that I love. And I, I wanted you to reflect back on that a little bit. That was like almost 10 years ago. It was eight years yeah. ago. Do you see that still reflected in the way that you run your life and your office and your
0: businesses now. For sure. I think one of the threads that has run through my entire career is that I want to do what I love. And I want to, I want to wake up every day and feel excited to get to work. I want to feel fulfilled by my work. I think I, I was raised, my mom was incredible at teaching us that you spend so much of your waking hours at work. You better choose something that you love. And she always told us, if you choose something you love, you will always get paid. Like I grew up really believing that magically, even if you wanted to do something that doesn't pay a lot of money, if you loved it, you would figure out how to make a lot of money from it. So yeah, I think I just, I like to do what I like to do. And as soon as I'm done with something, it's like, I'm done with it. And I'm trying to get better in terms of figuring out as a businesswoman now, how I can, instead of just throwing something away, how I can take it and maybe continue it and just have like a product suite. So people can go back and look at like all of my past creations, instead of me just being like, okay, I'm done with this, now I'm moving on and it doesn't exist anymore. So there is a way, there are ways that I'm trying to implement that side of myself. Like I really consider myself an artist and it's something that I'm still working on to this day.
1: I think that a lot of us feel that way. I've I've been guilty of this, of creating something and seeing that it has potential, but then deciding, well, I'm more interested in this other part now. So I'm just like, it's like destroying the city and just starting over. I actually got to speak to Zach Spuckler about this exact same thing. He suffers from the exact same syndrome. It's like, I just like to build something beautiful and then just like, burn it to the ground and then just start over and build something else and like like we need to figure out a better way to do this Uh, so if anybody's listening right now who feels like that's what has been stopping their growth the fact that they can't sit still the fact that they come up with something and they try it and then something happens and then they just try something else
0: what would be your best advice for that person your intuition is more powerful than you think There will be seasons and phases in your business where it's beneficial for you to be trying something new, burning it down, trying something new, burning it down. I think that's definitely a part of the learning process and it can be fun and exciting. Then you're going to go into seasons where you actually want to see something through to completion and you want something to have legs that last beyond your involvement in it. You know, like I want to build things now that last and that doesn't mean that I have to be involved forever and ever and ever. It just means that I have to set up the systems to make sure they can sound on their own two feet. So I've started to lean more towards um, being a creative entrepreneur and seeing myself as an entrepreneur that. I really want to flex my creativity in terms of my leadership, building my team, um, making sure that we are attracting the right clients and creating the transformation in their lives that is really giving them results. I think that for me is, is what it comes down to, but for anyone who's worried about it, I would say, try not to worry too much about it. Like, I think, you know, what's best for you and your business. Just make sure that you're spending alone time with yourself and that you are clear. Like I feel so in, I feel such an intuitive hit when I'm moving in the wrong direction. I'm sure most people do as well. So just listen to that intuition.
1: Yeah. And just don't quit. It's like, Don't use like this stuff as an excuse to quit. Just keep going. Yeah. Um, can we start talking about your programs? You have a very interesting roller coaster wave of programs ever since you started your very first one. But can I ask you, do you remember what your first very first course was, can you tell us what it was and how did you go about launching it back
0: then? I feel like, so firstly, my memory's horrible, <laughs> but I, I have a feeling that my very first program, it was called like irresistibly you, or it was, it was something with the word irresistible and you in some cute little way, or I don't know, but it was to do with branding and it was to do with marketing yourself in the online space and really showing up online as yourself. That was my very first thing that I did. I ran it with just a handful of people. Um, From there, I believe I created the School of Killer Impressions, which is still available to this day, actually, and is one of the things that I'm most proud of. It really creates such transformation in the lives of small business owners. So that's another one that's more to do with marketing and sales in the online space. Then I think I moved into Feel Good Blogging, which was about creating content, blogging, all that jazz.
1: You know what I found really fascinating
0: is your ability to
1: run something and to not let just the feedback of that one thing in that one point in time determine whether you keep doing that thing or not. The school of killer impressions by your own admission in in other places, you've said, you know, it was an okay launch, but it wasn't like groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was something that told you you know what? There's something good here because people are getting results. So even though I didn't make all of the money in the world, my first launch, I think this is worth taking another look at. And I really wonder where that grit comes from. Any other person off the street would try something as hard as creating an entire course, launching it. They see that it doesn't work and they just go, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to go over here and do something else. But you had a different. Eye for it. You said there is something here. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like to decide to evolve it?
0: I think this is one of the biggest problems that I see with online entrepreneurs is that they want to launch something the first time and they want to see major success. And if they don't see major success the first time, they're like, Well, I tried. Now I'm going to create something new. Just because something doesn't sell the way you want it to sell the first time, or even if it doesn't get the results you want the first time, it doesn't mean that you should start from scratch. And I think, you know, earlier we were touching on that excitement of when you're starting something new and it's so exciting and you have ideas, but you need to be able to stick with one thing to develop it and to make it the best that it can be to, to create the maximum impact. I think for me, uh, another thread throughout my career is that I'm like, I'm in this, I'm not giving up. I don't care what anyone says about me. I don't care what people say behind my back. I don't care how idiotic I look online. I don't care. Like, I just don't care. All I care about is that I keep going and that every day I am building momentum. I'm a big believer in momentum and and it's compounding effects. And I think, you know, everything from creating a course to having a YouTube channel or a podcast, it requires you to show up time and time and time again. It doesn't mean you have to show up perfectly. I've never shown up perfectly, but it just means like good intentions, wanting to do your best and putting in the effort. But I think to be honest with you, Ina, most people don't have grit. Most people do not have that like inner uh, conviction to stick with something and see it through. Most people would rather just take the easy route, which to be fair, we're all different. And we all get value from different things. And some people just don't get value from this business avenue and that's okay as well. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, yeah, I don't really have grit and maybe this isn't for me, that's totally fine. No one's judging you. (laughs) Your zone of genius is out there somewhere. Maybe it's just not in this. At
1: risk of skipping the timeline here, just because we started to touch into that topic of um, not caring what people think, something happened. And this was, I was deep into Alex Beaton world when this happened. I want you to know. So I was there when this happened back in 2019 Mm -hmm. carnival of 2019. You even, I don't want to give away the stories. I want you to tell it in your own words, but you do have a podcast episode around that time uh, where you said, I lost 300 followers in one weekend. Mm -hmm. Can you tell
0: us what happened? Yes, so I am in Trinidad, it's carnival time and I was posting a lot to my stories and for anyone who hasn't seen carnival, it's like I'm in a bikini that has glitter everywhere and feathers and it's just a massive street party and it's absolutely incredible. It's one of my favorite experiences but posting it onto Instagram stories, you're going to come across people who maybe look at it and look down on it or are judgmental about it or whatever. So I end up losing 300 followers. And at the time there was a big conversation I remember with my mom who was kind of like, you need to not post these kinds of things. Like this is alienating people. But I just have this belief that when I alienate people, I'm also strongly attracting people. And for all of the people that I'm repelling, I'm simultaneously magnetizing my people who are the best fit for me. Let's talk a little bit about 2017 to early 18. Mm-hmm. Your
1: YouTube channel with 30,000 subscribers disappears into thin air. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us that story?
0: Yeah, so I had an email address. It was it was my old photography email address. I think it was alexbeatenphotography.com doc- at googlemail.com or something. I hadn't used it in a long time. And Google had been emailing me for the last 90 days being like, Hey, we're going to delete this email. Cause you haven't used it. And I'm very much a out with the old person. Like if I'm not using it, delete it. It's fine. I don't need anything from that account. So the day that they deleted that email address, I go to post something on YouTube. And at this point I'm like, actively posting once a week religiously like this is my content hub this is what i've invested the last i think at that point it was like seven or eight years that i've been creating content with more than 200 videos like it was a huge part of my lead generation how people were finding me in my business and i log in and my youtube channel is not there and immediately i connected the dots in my head And I'll never forget, Nick and I were working in the same office and I just looked at him. I just started bawling. I was just, I couldn't stop crying. It was, it felt like the absolute end of the world. (laughs) At the time, I, I felt very positive that I would get it back. I really tried. I reached out to as many people as I could. I got in touch with people at the top of YouTube, at the top of Google. Basically, my account had two emails associated to it. One that I would actively use to log in and one that I never used, but because it was connected to that account, it got deleted along with the email. Um, So yeah, I never got it back. And I decided pretty quickly, I think I gave myself like a week to really be miserable about it. And these things happen in life. They always happen. No one is exempt these horrible things where you feel like it's the end of the world and you just have to say, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? How can I use this as an opportunity? And I decided, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast, which I did. I started my podcast on purpose with Alex Beden, and that led me on a whole other trajectory. And I don't think I would have started the podcast. Was it not for my YouTube channel disappearing? But yeah, now, I mean, I I've just started back another YouTube channel. It took me what four years to start uh, to start back, but it's it, these things happen. And um, so,
1: after your YouTube channel is gone, this is happening right now. Where basically your your lead source is is just poofed. Right, mm-hmm. early in twenty eighteen, and by the way, everybody can go and hear it from Alex herself on on Purpose with Alex Beat on an episode forty four of her podcast. She talks about almost going bankrupt Mm -hmm. in your business. You had, you describe it. You say I had $10,000 in the business bank account. I'm not letting go of any team members yet. My mom is kind of freaking out on me. Like, um, hello, like payroll. And you say, no mom, I got it. You write a check for $5,000 because you're in a mastermind that is $5,000 a month. And you go and you're, you're like, that's half of my money right now, but this is just going to come back to me so before I ask you what I really want to ask you about that time, can you just tell us just fill in the gaps a little bit of what was going on at the time
0: So at the time, I had one person working with me full-time um, but I was very early on in my leadership days and my business hadn't quite come to like full maturity yet and I think at the time I was doing like one launch a year, which looking back now is mind blowing to me. Like why I ever decided to do one launch a year is crazy because I should have been selling more, which is something that I now teach. It's like, don't just sell once a year, but I was getting to this point where there just wasn't money in the bank account. And my mom was freaking out. My mom's always helped me with my finances in the business and she was like, you need to fire the, the people working for you. I think I had one person full-time and a few like little contractors. Um, I was a part of this this mastermind and that was taking up a lot of my finances. But I, I don't know. I, I think that I'm someone who's very fortunate to have... I know that I will always have a safety net. Mm-hmm. So even if everything goes awfully wrong and even if i go bankrupt and my business has no money i know that like my sister will let me sleep on her couch and my mom and dad will house me until i get back on my feet like i definitely have a support system that many people don't have which probably uh makes me it's way easier for me to just have faith like i i'm someone my whole life i've always just had faith i can very quickly make these very risky decisions that everyone around me is like what are you doing And I just believe it's going to happen and somehow it ends up happening. And I think for anyone who's in my personal life, who has watched me over the last 13 years, they're probably like, I just always seem to land on my feet and create whatever it is that I was hoping to create, even if it took me longer than, than expected.
1: So (laughs) as we're winding down, let me ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman?
0: whoa that's a very big question the biggest misconception that people have about me as a businesswoman i don't know <laughs> i don't really spend a lot of time thinking about how other people think about me um i know i can tell you in my real life like when i meet people the biggest misconception is that i'm going to be super bubbly and like exactly in person as I am energetically in video, but I'm someone in big groups. I'm much more introverted. I much prefer smaller, smaller gatherings. Um, so I think that if you've just met me in person and we're in a big group, I'm probably going to be more quiet than you, than you expected.
1: (laughs) Good to know. Yes. And finally, if everybody who's listening to the sound of your voice right now If they had to do what you're about to tell them to do, to make their businesses better, to grow, to uh, make the best online coaching program in the world, just make their lives better. And they have to do it, they have no choice in the next 24 hours. What should that thing be? Oh,
0: wow, 24 hours. What is one thing that someone can do in the next 24 hours? I would say get quiet and listen to your intuition. That's my, that's my go-to because for everyone, it's going to be different, you know, for every single person, the answer is going to be different. We all have such different businesses. Even if everyone here sells digital products, our business models are different. What we want from our lives are different. Um, So much of having a business is is also about lifestyle design and, and asking yourself, what am I trying to create for myself in my life through this expression of my business? And so it's really hard for me to just be like, this is the one thing. So if I had to pick one thing, I would say, sit down with yourself on a regular basis, create time to be in stillness with yourself and to feel love for yourself, like actually tap into that feeling of love for yourself. And I think all of the answers and goodness come from that. Love it.
1: What is your big goal for the next 10 years? You've already done this for 13. <laughs> what do you have sight for the next 10?
0: For the next 10 years, that's a really long time. I would say for the next three years, I can see myself continuing to grow my team and really creating a family of team members. I think that's really important to me, creating more freedom in the lives of not only our team, but also in the lives of our clients. And I just want to keep creating and feeling self-expressed. Self-expression is one of my number one values. And... I just want to have fun creating stuff, if I'm being honest. And having a team definitely helps because now I can let everyone work in their own zones of genius, but I really just want to be creating. (laughs) So Alex Beaton, this has been a total pleasure
1: to talk to you. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you and where they can hook into
0: your energy? Yes, I'm happy to share that with you. And Actually, I also, before we wrap up, just want to say a huge thank you to you, Ina, because doing things like this and hosting spaces for people to hear from other people who have done what they're trying to do is so, so, so powerful and often overlooked. So I just want to say thank you to you for having me. You really did your research and I feel it was really so fun to relive so many of these stories with you. So thank you so much. Um, people can find me at launchwithalex.com forward slash Ina. And what we've done is we've created a special little download for all of your listeners where they can get a launch checklist from me. And I believe it's a launch wellness checklist, which is even more perfect for what we've been talking about just in terms of like the holistic side of running a business. So yeah, they can find me launchwithalex.com forward slash Ina. That's great. Oh,
1: that is so nice. I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can just click on it. You don't even have to remember. It's going to be right there. Alex Meadon, wonderful pleasure. I really hope we get to meet in person very, very soon. Uh, Me too. I would love that, Ina. I feel like you and I would be great friends. I, I love you so much. You don't even know. Total, oh, you. like you have been a really, really great inspiration. So thank you for having that courage, for having, for being so brave to just putting yourself out there and you're like, you know what, this is what is possible when you can just hook into what you really want and just chase after your passion. You're a huge inspiration. So thank you for sharing oh, all of this with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can also have amazing launches, Alex Beaton style. Stick around for the next companion episode where I will teach you three ways to get more people to participate in your launches, even if you have a small audience. And if you would like to listen to the full interview with all of those details that only the super fans want to know about, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut and get free VIP access to the full library of all the uncut interviews. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.